you know, it's a practice. So we practice it on a regular basis so that we can pull it out and use it and remember to pull it out and use it in those moments when we are feeling really stressed. You're listening to the Mindful Mama podcast, episode number 383. Today, we're talking about mindfulness for busy parents with Shonda Morales. Welcome to the Mindful Mama podcast. Here, it's about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have, and when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm your host, Hunter Clark-Fields. I help smart, thoughtful parents stay calm so they can have strong, connected relationships with their children. I've been practicing mindfulness for over 20 years. I'm the creator of Mindful Parenting, and I'm the author of the best-selling book, Raising Good Humans, a mindful guide to breaking the cycle of reactive parenting and raising kind, confident kids. Hey, welcome back. So glad you're here. It's a new year. And as is habit in the new year. We are turning new leaves, and I hope you are turning the leaf of mindfulness. And so this episode is going to be perfect for you today. But listen, if you haven't yet done so, please hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any of these episodes. And if you get value from this podcast, please go over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating and review. It helps the podcast grow more, and it just takes like 30 seconds. And I truly, truly, truly appreciate it. In just a moment, I'm going to be sitting down with my friend and licensed clinical social worker, Shonda Morales, who draws from over 25 years in psychotherapy to provide women with the resources they need to take care of themselves and learn quick, easy meditations. And we're going to talk about mindfulness for parents and how it helps us be there for our kids and for other people. And, you know, I know that Life can feel like one big to-do list. It can leave us really overwhelmed. So we're going to talk about how mindfulness can help us surf the waves of life. And this is a pretty unusual episode you're going to see because I was having a tough moment as I came in to record this episode with Shonda. And you're going to hear that in the conversation. And we're going to start with a powerful mindfulness practice. And I invite you to practice with me. And then we're going to talk about how Mindfulness really can help us live more fully and that even that balance is possible. Yes, yes, I, I, I state it and stand with Shonda in that here. So this is an awesome episode. I know you're going to love it. So join me at the table as I talk to Shonda Morales. Do you want to stop yelling and have your child listen to Well, I have exciting news for you. If you're hearing this right now, it means that the doors to Mindful Parenting are open at mindfulparentingcourse.com. This only happens for a limited time, and it may be perfect for you if you want to be that patient, calm parent, but you're afraid of being walked all over, you're losing it, and you want to be that steady, peaceful parent, you don't have a cohesive method, and you've taken bad advice like just count to one, two, three. Mindful Parenting is an evidence-based system that not only teaches you how to calm your reactivity, but offers you a ton of personal guidance. A lot of other parenting coaches talk about the best way to respond to your child, but guess what? They don't walk you through the research-proven practices that it really takes to create changes that actually last. Mindful Parenting teaches you the specific steps to create cooperative, loving relationships for life. In Mindful Parenting, you can learn how to stay calm, even if you find yourself shouting hourly now. Be present for your child, no matter what they're going through. Resolve conflicts easily without yelling or taking away the iPad. Set limits without your child resenting you for days afterward. And build trust between you and your child so that you avoid misery in the teen years. The doors are open now at mindfulparentingcourse.com. Unlike other programs in Mindful Parenting, we offer one-on-one coaching to every member and weekly drop-in coaching sessions. Don't wait anymore. You and your kids are worth leveling up. Go to mindfulparentingcourse.com and join now before the doors close again. That's mindfulparentingcourse.com. I'll see you there. 
Okay, so Shonda has learned about my stressful day so far, and she's back on the Mindful Mama podcast to talk about the new book, Don't Forget to Breathe. So because I've had a stressful day, it's been kind of a hard day, um, we're going to start with one of her five-minute mindfulness moments for mamas, for women. So take me away, Shonda. Sounds good. So sitting up nice and tall or standing, whatever is going on here, and allowing your eyes to close or letting your gaze rest softly in front of you, just so you're not distracted by looking around. And let's start by taking a couple of long, slow, deep breaths in through the nose, out through the mouth. And letting our mind arrive here with our bodies. Letting your breath settle whenever you're ready. And taking a moment to connect to body sensations. So we can begin with the feet. Just being aware of the feet on the floor or tucked up underneath us. You might notice temperature, warmth or coolness or moisture. We're bringing that sense of curiosity. Seeing if we can be right there, noticing sensations in the feet, whatever they are. Slowly scanning up the legs. And as we notice sensations with a sense of curiosity, also letting go and relaxing any tightness or tension we might come across in the calves, the area of the knees, upper legs, being aware of the bottom. So maybe there's contact with the chair or a cushion. Noticing the hips and pelvic region, the belly. Maybe there's some digestion, fullness, emptiness. And at the belly, we can also notice there's a natural rising and falling that happens here with the breath. It just comes and goes on its own. Now we don't need to make the breath any different or deeper than it already is. And being aware of the chest. We might come across some sensations that feel unpleasant, especially if we've come off a stressful day or moment. And as best we can, just noticing. So in this moment, maybe there's heaviness, tightness, pressure. Can we allow rather than our human tendency to resist? We're just noticing. Coming around to the lower back middle and upper back. Again, if we come across any tightness here, can we let go a little bit? Being aware of the shoulders, allowing them to drop, almost like they're melting. Noticing the arms, letting them hang from the shoulders. Being aware of the hands, we might soften through the hands. Coming up to the neck and throat, the jaw, the mouth, cheeks, eyes, brow, forehead, scalp. You might allow the corners of the mouth to turn up in a bit of a half smile that can just let go, relax some of those tense muscles in the face. And then on your own for just a few seconds, scanning through again and letting go just a little bit more of any tightness, any tension. And then when you're ready, locating the breath wherever it's most accessible. So that could be the in and out breaths at the nostrils. It might be the rising and falling of the chest or maybe the rising and falling of the belly. And if that feels too intense, there are also sounds. We can notice sounds. But for now, experimenting with seeing if we can notice the breath. Each inhale and each exhale. Letting it come and go on its own. 
practicing, if you can notice the beginning and ending of the inhale and the beginning and ending of the exhale. And there may or may not be a pause happening naturally in between. And what we soon find out is that our attention drifts off, which is perfectly normal. This is what our minds do. We hear sounds. We think all kinds of thoughts. We feel an itch. Anything can pull our attention away. And it's fine. So each time we notice that we've drifted off, we note where we've been. And then we gently return our attention back to that home base of the breath and begin again. Simply noticing Sensing from the inside out that inhale and that exhale. And if you'd like, before we bring our attention back to the entirety of the body, taking a nice deep inhale in and exhale out. Noticing the entirety of the body, sitting here, breathing. And when you're ready, opening the eyes. Hello. (laughs) Hi, Shonda. Thank you so much. (laughs) Oh, you're welcome. That was very helpful for me. Thank you. No, you're welcome. Yes, we can all use that. That's for sure. And, and it helps to have somebody walk you through it. No matter how much experience you have with a mindfulness practice, it, when you're in a moment that's a challenging moment, it really does help to have that, that guidance. It's a challenging moment, and it kind of takes the onus off of us to guide ourselves, right? It, it really can uh-huh. be almost like a little bit of a training wheel that feels so nice to um, have that support in a moment. Agreed. Yeah. So a very unorthodox way for me to start the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Poor Shonda. She opened up our our studio and I was like, hi, I'm a mess. Please help me. But um, no, it was on your face. And that's I'm a therapist (laughs) by training for 25 years. That's my initial. Hey, what's wrong? What's up? Yes. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So um, and that's I, I think maybe that's one of the like uh, myths about mindfulness, right? Is that like, oh, you're going to practice mindfulness. You know, I've been practicing now since I was, you know, I don't know, like 18 years or something like that, right? And it's a, and you're never going to be upset again. You're never going to have difficulties again. And and that is a big myth, right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Oh, yeah. It is an ongoing practice and, and tool and support for all of us. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Stay tuned for more Mindful Mama podcasts right after this break. I want to tell you about a great podcast that you should check out, especially if you ever deal with any school system, which you probably do. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Ortube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. And this season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP and busts common myths about special education. So I checked out the episode on the difference between IEPs and 504 plans because my daughter Maggie uses a 504 plan and it was really, really helpful. It went over all the differences, which one's better, how to get them, different myths and what your rights are, all kinds of different things that you should understand if your child may need extra help in education through an IEP or a 504 plan. The tone is super helpful, friendly, and smart. I highly recommend you check it out. To listen to Understood Explains, just search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's it. Understood Explains. We are supported by Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as Math Mysteries About True Histories. It's a weekly show full of time travel puzzles, hidden equations, history, and lots of laughs. 
I highly recommend this podcast. It's really wonderful, especially if you have kids like around like six plus, but it can totally be enjoyed by the whole family. So I listened to the episode, The Pirate Queen, and you're just dropped right in the middle of the action. People are fighting. There's sword fight. And then these kids, they've gone on a time travel mission and they have to solve problems in the midst of it. And it really just like exemplifies everything we support here at Mindful Parenting. You know, kids who are adventurous, doing things on the world, they're capable. And then they do things like they have to do math, they have to think critically, they have to code break and pattern solving and all this great stuff. Beyond just the Pirate Queen episode, which I highly recommend, episodes transport listeners to moments in history, too, like Pythagoras, Ancient Greece, the era of the Aztecs, Sir Isaac Newton's England, and more. So jump in with your family. Follow the adventures of Max and Molly on an adventure through time with puzzles and hidden equations and laughs. And it really does make learning really fun and really cool. Perfect for ages six and up. New episodes drop every Thursday, each stacked with so much laughter that your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. So tune into Mysteries About True Histories with your kids, and you can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. That's Mysteries About True Histories. Yes. So I'm so glad you came back on the Mindful Mama podcast. Uh, Shonda is a friend. We both presented together at events and, um, and supported each other in writing our books. And I'm so excited that you've written another book, Don't Forget to Breathe, Five-Minute Mindfulness for Women. And I know you're a mama. And, and uh, so I'd like to dive into all of that. But yeah, I mean, the mindfulness piece itself, I think, Hopefully, maybe, dear listener, you you stuck with us and had that experience with me of coming into your body. But that whole experience of just acknowledging what is, it's amazing how such a simple thing can be have such powerful and profound effects. I mean, how I feel enormously different than I did seven minutes ago. Mm-hmm. Right. When did you discover mindfulness and, and how did it help you? Yeah, I, I formally, I would say around the time you you did, 17, 18 years ago, night, something like that. Yeah. Um, my kids are 20 and 10 and my daughter was around three when I took a mindfulness-based stress reduction class at my local hospital. Um, as I wanted to learn more uh, to bring some mindfulness into the therapy office. So I thought, you know, I needed to kind of really experience what this was because I had a yoga practice and, you know, there's Shavasana and there's some meditation at the end, but it's a little bit different. So I wanted to get clear. And I faithfully meditated for half an hour every day as part of the homework. So I'm a recovering perfectionist type A. And, uh, you know, within just a couple of weeks, I was like, whoa, okay. I don't typically like to slow down a little bit, but I was finding that I had more energy and more patience with my daughter and I was just more playful and I just felt better. Uh, and so I was hooked right away and then uh, kept practicing uh, a half an hour quite faithfully for up until the time my daughter was about to turn 10 and I was about to have my son. And I knew there was no way with a newborn I would be meditating for a half an hour every day. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's where five minute mindfulness was born along with my son, really, because I wanted to, I knew. Um, how powerful it was. And I wanted to figure out some ways that I could keep it very practical, very doable and flexible um, and started working with other moms and teaching it to them. And, you know, just amazing how just that even a few seconds can shift uh, like how we're feeling. So um, and we know, you know, it's a practice. So we practice it on on a regular basis so that we can pull it out and use it and remember to pull it out and use it in those moments when we are feeling really stressed. Uh, because otherwise, we don't remember or we think we don't have time or we pull out our phone and start scrolling through Instagram thinking that is the answer to forget about the stressful day we've had. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's all tempting. So yeah, that's that was my that was my introduction. I, I love a short practice too. I mean, and I've done a whole a whole gamut like you. Like I went through a period as I was doing a mindfulness <clears throat> meditation teacher training where I did a half an hour every day and and every morning and I was like, this is amazing. This feels good. And I would actually just sit silently during that whole time. 
And it's shifted and changed for me and in and, and a lot of different ways. And sometimes I sit silently and sometimes I sit out of meditation and sometimes I sit for, you know, 10 minutes and sometimes I sit for 15 minutes and sometimes I sit for 20 and it doesn't, it's, it's all good. It's all just an anchor in my day to then, like you said, like if I then without it, then you forget that it's available to you. Like, and you forget that those little moments, because a lot of people teach, like you can, you know, you can be mindful while you're washing the dishes and things like that. And that's great. And you can, but um, I find probably like you do that we just don't remember if we we don't have a regular practice in our day. It's just hard to even remember that it's there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's one of those things, like a lot of things that are good for us that we, you know, if we get off, fall off the wagon, then we get back on and we're like, why didn't I, why did I think, you know, why did I forget to do this? Or this it does feel so good. It makes such a difference. So and we just, I, I have a mindful break for that, for falling off the wagon, because that happens too. Oh, I love that. What does it involve the falling off the wagon mindful break? It's, first of all, forgiving ourselves if we're judging ourselves for the fact that, you know, how could I, what's wrong with me, why I I can't, you know, all that that running dialogue that we might notice, the thinking of um, why can't I establish a habit and keep it. So noticing that, forgiving ourselves, compassion, where did we get off course, just recognizing how we did fall off the wagon and how do we course correct so that we can set up the conditions to to stay on the wagon (laughs) as best we can. Um, so it's simple, simple, but um, often powerful because otherwise we give up and we start talking negatively. And that, you know, that negative reinforcement, of course, is is not very motivating. No, no, it's weird that we think it is, though. I mean, you also mentioned judgment, right? Obviously, non-judgment is a big piece of mindfulness, right? Like that's where we're bringing an attitude of non-judgment, of curiosity to what's going on. Mm-hmm. Did you notice, do you remember, it's funny to ask these questions because I imagine if someone is asking me, I'm not sure I'd remember, but did you notice like a shift in the sense of judgment that you you may have had pre-mindfulness and then post-mindfulness? Definitely. I think just a a big boost in awareness, self-awareness and what was going on in my thoughts and body sensations and emotions, but especially thoughts and um, you know, and that is why I felt like it was so powerful to practice mindfulness with as a therapist, because we have cognitive behavioral therapy, which is about our thoughts and our behaviors. Uh, and I felt like mindfulness was that heart piece that often was missed of oh. um, what else was there. So, so yes, definitely more self-awareness. And oh boy, you know, like I said, recovering perfectionist, I could judge myself, really. I was quite skilled at it. <laughs> I mean, aren't we all to some degree still? But just noticing it and then noticing the judging of the judging, right? How could you be so judgmental of yourself? What's wrong? Like, so um, I remember really taking a couple of years to, what do I want to say? Really work on being able to kind of have that distance, that objectivity to the judging. You know, I could get really lost in the judging for a few years. Um, And of course, I still can, like the rest of us, but um, but like anything, that's a practice that I've learned uh, to let go a little bit more, um, not get so attached to. So, yeah. Yeah, I think I'm I'm personally like better. I'm not very self-judgmental anymore, like at all. I'm, I'm pretty good, you know, unless I'm, I do something that I'm not terribly proud of. And then, you know, of course, judgment arises. But it's I'm I'm now aware of how much judgment it happens to be like kind of a default like reaction as I move through the world Mm. and I think that's really interesting like it's just like it's not what I would choose necessarily to think but it's it you know I we recently went on a vacation we traveled it's really interesting for me to notice how my mind is like makes these discernments and these judgments so Uh. instantaneously about what things are what they mean what they're about and i really have no idea you know what i mean like yeah i honestly have no idea but it's interesting how to watch my mind make these like guesses generalizations or assumptions yeah even yeah Yeah. exactly assumptions yes yes yeah well our minds want to we want certainty for sure we want we want and we want to categorize i mean our minds like that order so and I think what really helped me was having this 
this attitude of, of amusement of, of uh, mm. watching my watching my judging mind because you know it is it is quite amusing and uh, yeah and if we can have that that take that that flavor then then we don't get stuck in judging our judging yeah yeah that yeah and I I I agree like that whole idea of looking at the judging seeing the judging and then. Uh, allowing an attitude of non-judgmentalness about the judging, which sounds so funny, right? But it's like, then you're like, oh, it's it's interesting. Like, that's how the brain works. But you can't change what you can't see, right? So I think before I began a mindfulness practice, I remember thinking like, I'm not sure if I want to be more self-aware because <laughs> I yeah. felt at times in my life, like painfully self-aware. And yes. I'm, I wonder sometimes if that's something that holds people back from practicing because they don't necessarily want to be more self-aware if if that self-awareness is painful what what do you say when I mean does do you come across this oh of course of course and I think that's you know a huge uh, barrier to some people sitting down and just getting quiet or still at all is the fear that unconscious fear of what am I going to uncover here and is it going to flood me is it going to uh, will I be able to tolerate it and you know will I just completely lose myself in it. And so when we test it out, so I always just invite people to experiment with it. Um, and that that edge, find your edge of where you what you can sit with and be still, but not force. We never want to force and and shouldn't feel like that. Um, but we realize often, wow, I can tolerate a lot more than I thought I could, you know, if we have uh, a little bit of guidance. And I think that's such a huge piece. I mean, the, coming back to what you said in the beginning, especially when we're learning to practice mindfulness and meditation, to have a guided voice is so crucial uh, because we can get lost in all of this. And and it's not rocket science, uh, but you do need a guide and a little bit of somebody to kind of bring you back and show you when you might be getting lost in the judging because otherwise people, I'm not doing this right. I can't call my mind. You know, I can't stop my thinking. All of those myths that we encounter around meditation. And there, I mean, I know these benefits, but I'm going to ask you because you're the guest <laughs> on the podcast. So <laughs> what are the benefits of, of this tolerance, right, that we, we talk about, right? Like we're learning to tolerate these uncomfortable feelings. Someone might say, well, why would I want to do that? I just want to get rid of them. Yes. What are the benefits to this learning to be with all these things? Well, that's where empowerment comes in because when we can allow ourselves to feel. I mean, number one, we move through an emotion rather than, uh, you know, in denial or try to go around it, which we know without our emotions will always show up and find a way to make themselves known somehow, some way, if we're not willing to look and feel and go through it. Um, and it is hard sometimes. Absolutely. It can be, and you know, intense. It can be very intense. And I like to use that word rather than hard. I mean, it can be hard as well. Um, so the benefits are that we are able to be there for other people. I mean, that's definitely something I've noticed as a therapist in those first couple of years of really practicing meditation and mindfulness is my capacity to hold other people's emotions. Um, so, you know, as a therapist, obviously that comes in handy, but for all of us in any relationship to not become so easily triggered and you with mindful parenting, of course, is about and we've all been there and I still can get there is, you know, when our kids are feeling intense emotions, we are, we feel it. Of course we feel it. It's contagious. We love them. We care so much. We feel helpless. Um, and then we're triggered and we're off and running. So the more awareness we have. Uh, so being able to tolerate that and recognize, oof, I'm feeling it. I'm in it too, but I know how this feels and I know it's going to um, crest and then ebb and, subs and subside. If I can ride that wave, um, if I've done that through meditation and through practice, I I'm more able to uh, feel the unpleasantness of sitting with somebody else's intense emotions. So um, we live our lives more fully. You know, it's a continuum of pain and pleasure and pain and all of those um, dualities of the more grief, for example, if I can allow grief to come in. Um, I lost my father like a year and a half ago through cancer and sat with him when he passed. And yeah, and it, but it was a very, actually a beautiful experience because I was able, it was so in, intertwined with love and grief at the same time. And so I don't know if I didn't have a mindfulness practice, if I could have sat through that and felt that intensity. Um, but it was a, it was a beautiful thing and a gift to him and to, to me. So 
that's a great example of how we can tolerate a whole lot and really not just tolerate, but open up the space and the capacity to live our lives, to feel. I am sorry for your loss. And it sounds like that was a beautiful passing. Um, yeah. You know, it's interesting because having, you know, normally I can speak of these things and it's like, you know, it's something that's happened sort of a longer time ago, like 20, 15 or 20 minutes, right? And just having, you know, for the listener, dear listener, having, you know, I came, I had a rough morning, some things happened like right before this, this call, this interview with Shonda. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I had to like leave an intense situation and sort of just come out to do, do this interview. And I, and so I arrived, she could see it on my face and I could feel it. And I could feel that sort of crest. And it's so interesting to feel that, like, you know, you, you feel that tightness and discomfort in your body. And it's so, um, it's so interesting how this simple process of, and I, I mean, I know because I trust it, but that simple process of feeling my feet, feeling my calves, feeling, you know, and, and it's not like I was, uh, you know, my mind would wonder at times when she was leading in me through those things, but it would come back. And it's a little, that combination of a little bit of time and some loving attention. Right. And, and oddly enough, the feeling of not trying to fix anything, right. which is so interesting, right? Of just like, this is what is right now. And it's that whole process of you have to move through it. And, and, and now feeling that relief of the other side of having just given those feelings some attention that they, I kind of, it's so interesting because I say like our feelings are like toddlers, like they're like talking at our leg. Oh, they're yeah. Like, you will be a da, 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 <laughs> I will not go away until you're right. You know, and now, you know, my, my inner toddler is sort of running free. But, you know, it's just so interesting to um, have that happen. You know, if you were oh, a dear listener, a witness to that, I guess, real time for me. <laughs> so, yeah, I would add too that sometimes. Sometimes it's as simple as that and we can kind of come down the other side and it sort of dissipates. And sometimes it's like mm-hmm. you may need to go off later on, you know, and have a cry or something like that and make space for that. And so um, but sometimes we have to function in our lives. We have to do an interview. or We have to go into a meeting at work and, <laughs> you know, it's not the ideal time to to lose it. So it helps us pull ourselves together. But then I also encourage people to make sure they're creating space somewhere in their in their days where they can feel it and let it out if it if it's still there. And it's not always there, but it may be. I think that's the greatest gift of mindfulness for me was that it used to be that I was this on this roller coaster of emotions and those intense things were so would either they would just, I'd become overwhelmed by them very, you know, just like I felt like on a regular basis, like I kind of felt overwhelmed by life. But that process of on a daily basis, greeting myself, sitting with whatever is, and over time, bit by bit, gradually becoming okay with all the stuff, like the whole spectrum, it becomes so it's not scary anymore. It's like, Uh. oh, this is here. I know I'm going to recover at some point. (laughs) <laughs> you know, if I give it some time and um, and some attention, yeah, it's um, it's such a it's such a. I feel like for me, I mean, you're just reminding me of like what a miracle it was for me in my life, as far as like being able to um, surf those waves and mm. like not get like pulled under into this like death spiral of like what's wrong with me and you know why can't I function in life and and. And being able to, you know, then, of course, you know, for for Maggie, not be so triggered and things like that. But I, it just is shocking to me, I think, in some ways that, I don't know, our MO for so long culturally was just like, just don't feel those feelings or whatever it is, like drown them in alcohol. <laughs> it's so. Oh, yeah. It's so nuts. It's kind of bananas now that I think about that, that sort of way that society has functioned for our Western societies anyway have functioned for a long time. Definitely. Well, I think collectively, we didn't really know. We didn't know how to talk about anything and we didn't know how to process it in a way that felt doable. So it's just don't, don't, you know, keep just muscle through. Um, 
you know, and and as you're talking, I'm thinking thinking about how it was for me and the biggest benefit I felt. And you asked some of that, but you're thinking about for me, it wasn't. It was always I've always been more of an emotionally kind of um, even person, so it wasn't about that for me. For me, it was more about I was always running through my mind, my to do list, what's next, um, you know, on to the next, on to the next, and I was missing so much of those ordinary beautiful moments. And that for me is. Uh, what I, what was dramatic and so helpful um, that changed for me. Yeah. And I think a lot of people can relate to that achievement oriented thing, because that is what that perfectionist, that to-do list that, I mean, parents, like if, especially if you have young kids, like your life is busy. We live in a society that doesn't, we're like, you know, a lot of, most of us are in this nuclear family where we're like, two or one parent in a box by ourselves with a lot of kids. Uh, we don't have enough support. We're, you know, so this feeling of like that, like life is one big to-do list can, can really overwhelm people. Mm. Absolutely. Yes. Stay tuned for more Mindful Mama podcast right after this break. Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning, where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're gonna talk about skills for survival and self-kindness. And I'm gonna leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just gonna give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder and I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it but I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. So... In your book, you know, don't forget to breathe. We we kind of look at this idea of that that feeling of being overwhelmed, and you talk about the idea of mindfulness as a category for that, as a as a relief for that, and uh, and the mindful breaks uh, being a piece of that. So, what is the difference though between mindfulness meditation and the mindful breaks you're talking about? Right. So meditation. So I'm sure your listeners are quite familiar, but mindfulness present moments present moment awareness with kindness. Meditation is carving out time and our need to practice that skill of mindfulness. Uh, and mindful breaks are just these reminders and pauses in the midst of our day where we don't need to go off and close our eyes and meditate, but we can come back to the present moment. So they're habits uh, that we can establish so that hopefully we end up sprinkling our day with some mindful breaks and we don't need to think about it and remember to do it. It's just part of what we do in our day. Um, and I categorize them because there are different types of mindful breaks. People will think it's all about calming and awareness, and that's certainly an, a crucial piece of this. Uh, but there are also other kinds of breaks that I talk about, which are becoming breaks. And that is when we are feeling like we need a shot of confidence or assertiveness. Um, maybe we are taking on a new position at work or, you know, um, we have a new phase in our kids' uh, development that we feel like I have no idea what I'm doing here. <laughs> Um, so we might pull out a becoming break and then there are balance breaks, which help us bring life back into a little bit more balance and recalibrate on an ongoing basis. Uh, so because there are times, especially I would say with moms, I hear it a lot. It's like monotony, sort of lackluster, boredom. 
how we there are, it's not all about calming ourselves down all the time. Sometimes we want a little shot of energy or engagement or excitement in our lives, or we want to, you know, reach a goal or those kinds of things. And so it all requires awareness and intention. Um, and so those are all the pieces that play together. I love that. So can you give us an example of what is a becoming break and what is a balance break? Sure, sure. Uh, a becoming break might be something called uh, the green-eyed monster, which is when we are feeling envious of someone. Um, and, you know, this can be so common on social media, but I talk about in the book my, uh, this was before uh, COVID, but I still had my office and I was kind of heading out the door. I had just put my son on the bus and I was rushing and I was had my briefcase and I had my laptop and I had my lunch and I was in my car and I'm pulling out of the driveway and I look over and I see my friend who's my neighbor. She is strolling with her dog in the sunshine and her cup of coffee. And I was like, oh, man. <laughs> and I felt jealousy. And I then I, you know, then I started judging myself. And what, what's wrong with you? You know, she's not laying around eating bonbons all day. She has kids and she's taking care of the house where her husband is traveling. Um, and I'm, I love my work. So what is my problem, right? So it took me a moment to kind of take a breath and ask what's up, what's underneath that. And really what, it, what easily came to me was that I just had overscheduled myself uh, with work and I needed to find a little bit of space to just feel like I had 10 minutes to walk my dog in the sunshine with a cup of coffee. So I went to work and I opened up my calendar at my lunch break and kind of looked a few weeks ahead where I could start scheduling a little bit of white space in my calendar. So it just felt a little bit more spacious. So it's this idea of when we notice envy, um, it's, it's sometimes it's not the first thing that shows up. We might think, oh, you know, I want it might be like something materialistic. And then you think, well, real, what's underneath that? Do I really want that big house in the pool or whatever it is? No, I want to feel financial security. It's kind of getting in touch with what is that, what's underneath that initial pang of envy? And then what is one step I can take toward moving myself in that direction of what it is I'm really craving? So it's just a bit of insight. Um, that's an example of a becoming break. I love that idea because what you're saying is you, a lot of us see that and then we see our judgment and then we think, you know, and a lot of people don't, we feel like, well, this is, how life has to be. Like, I have to just be busy all the time. I have to be overwhelmed. I have to be stressed. This is my lot in life. And you saw that and you had the worthiness, right? The sense that I'm a human being that deserves to be able to not be running around mm. with like a chicken with my head cut off and also go for like a 10 minute walk with my dog. And I just want to point that piece out because that's so important that idea that change is possible, but first we have to just give ourselves permission yes. to live that more balanced life. Yes. Right? That we are, we are deserving of that more balanced life. You too choose. You're absolutely right, because we might even recognize it's possible, maybe, uh, but it's been permission. Um, and some of us are really stuck in martyr syndrome of like, again, this like parenthood or motherhood or it has to be a grind. Um, it has to be all nonstop and I come absolutely last. So permission, huge. Yes. Awesome. And you're going to talk about balance breaks, but I love this idea of that of balance. And I was thrilled, you know, so you, you know, so many people, right, say that balance is impossible it's not possible. That's kind of like been a trendy thing to say in some ways in the last couple of years. But like right. you say it's not only possible, it's optimal. And I love that because I, I, I'm I, with you. I believe that it's possible, too. I think it yes. can be possible. It can be something we shoot for. Yes. It doesn't have we don't have to give up on that dream. OK, so how how is this possible? <laughs> Well, first of all, let's say like coming back to what you said, yes. And I'm like, ah, oh, somebody else is going to tell me it's BS. No, please. Why would you not want balance? Like, And I do get it because I think sometimes we have, you know, we have, especially moms have been striving to create what we expect balance to look like. And we think it's perfect. And it's like, we're going to reach this point and it's all balanced. And like, don't move a muscle because if we, you know, something tips over, forget it. There goes the balance and we're done. Um, but it's our definition. And our definition, my definition is it's this ongoing recalibration of life balance. And it can be fun and playful and not so rigid and not so perfectionistic. It changes with our seasons of life. It changes with our 
moment to moment, really, right? But it, but the balance in my life with toddlers looked way different than it does with a 10 and 20 year old. Um, and it will look different when I have an empty nest. So uh, knowing, you know, the seasons of life and how we evolve. And so uh, balance can, a balance break can be as simple as knowing, um, kind of recognizing how does the pace of my life feel? Is it feeling like it's going too quickly, too fast? There's not enough time and space. And then I know I need to kind of put on the, the brake a little bit um, and let go of something or delegate something. Or maybe it's time, like I said, where I'm kind of like, oh, ho-hum, I don't know. And this isn't very exciting. Is this it? And then I might uh, kind of figure out a way to kind of step on the gas pedal a little bit. Maybe I take on a project or I volunteer or whatever that looks like that kind of energizes me again. So sometimes life throws on the emergency brake for us and then we have to readjust then too. Um, so, so really just, you know, this again, ongoing awareness and making one subtle shift toward a little bit more balance. That's it, right? Because it really matters. And over time, then we can maybe make another shift and another shift, but to not overwhelm ourselves so much at one time. Okay. So I love that. What is an example of a balance break? So that the gas pedal and the break and the knowing. Yeah. Yeah. That's one. Um, So life is pie. I've talked about this idea of uh, two, if you imagine two circles, you can write them down. Um, and just divide them up. So your current pie, how your life is right now. So what what sort of pie piece is, do, is work taking up? What about your family, your spouse, your hobbies, self-care? Um, any of those pieces of your life, what does it look like right now? And often people are like, oh man, this is, <laughs> this is a terrible pie. <laughs> and then what is your ideal pie? What does your ideal pie look like? And, and getting out of our own way you know, not how am I going to get there, but just what would it really look like in the current condition of my life? Um, and then what is one step I can take toward adjusting towards my ideal pie? Again, one step at a time. And I think that's that's what I like to really propose is these are doable. And we feel when we make a subtle, subtle shift, but it's intentional, then we feel that. We feel the benefits of that. So And it brings confidence, you know, the more action we take, the more confident we feel, the more we're motivated to take another action toward more balance in our lives. Yeah, I'd like that. And I like that you're, you know, it it involves this knowing where you you have to know where you want to go, right? Like you have to know if you are ever going to have any chance of getting there. You have to know where you want to go, at least to be able to make those decisions, you know, rather than just letting life, you know, completely take over you know you know it's great to have a decision and then when you have a choice point you know where that where what the direction is right and another mindful break is about knowing our values knowing you know our top three or four values in our lives and getting really clear on that letting that be our inner compass so when we are making these changes these shifts that we're always kind of filtering through those top values uh as kind of a you know a barometer to keep us headed in the right direction intentionally and where it feels, it feels right. So I've, I've heard that before, you know, about our values, right? Like we want to know our values so we know where we're going and, and et cetera. How does a person, I mean, figure out their values? I mean, I imagine there's like, obviously there's probably like an exercise for this, right? Where, but, but it's just like, as I can think of like, I don't know, it's all, they're all sort of like vague and kind of floating above my head, I think at this point. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, Brene Brown has a a values list on her website. So you can do something as simple as looking up a values list. And then it's getting quiet. I always recommend, of course, anytime we're doing this kind of work, spend a few minutes getting quiet still with meditation or or whatever whatever that looks like. So we can access that, you know, just that knowing that inner wisdom Um, and circle the top 10 because it is hard to narrow it down. You know, circle the top 10. What jumps out at you? What's really important to you? And then, then kind of, what can I let go of? Or, you know, sometimes we might say, oh, well, this one fits in this category. Maybe family is a top value, but it also goes under love for me and love for my friends and community and that kind of thing. Or, you know, so it's all so personal that it just only matters what it means to us. And that helps guide me personally, uh, not what anybody else thinks of the value of family kind of thing. And making sure they're ours and not what we think Mm. we're supposed to choose. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Do you know yours off the top of, head, top of your head? Yeah. And and they're, they're kind of, one is funny because it's slow, love, nature, and growth. And slow came to me because 
years back, I was interviewing someone and she, I thought she said her value was slow. And I was like, oh, I need that one. And she had said flow, but I didn't know that until later until I was checking with her. But so I adopted that for my own um, because I, like I've said, that's my, that's my MO. I need to be conscious of being mm, more slow. I like, I like slow, slow love, nature and growth. I love those values. Those are so cool. Yeah. I'm going to have to look at the list. I might steal your, you can steal them. <laughs> <laughs> it would kind of make sense. <laughs> right. That's amazing. Okay. So you have, you have two kids, 10 years apart. What are some of the ways mindfulness has helped you as a mom? Yeah. Oof. Well, my poor daughter, right? When I, it just, you know, she really got the perfectionist coming out and and I say like I had to choose between perfectionism and sanity and thankfully sanity won. So that was a good thing. Um, and, you know, I think my son, he has the benefit of me seeing that a lot of the little things, mm. you know, don't matter, mm -hmm. uh, really, that I was so worried about with my daughter. Um, so I'm more easygoing and um, I don't sweat the small stuff as much. So so mindfulness and my daughter has, uh, especially as a kid, had a lot of anxiety. Um, so it was hard. Even it doesn't matter that I'm a therapist who was trained in that when it's your family member, like, we've, you know, we were talking about before or your child and you just feel so helpless, um, me being able to tolerate feeling so helpless to me was one of the most intense um, practices and still can be. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So but it's gotten easier over time. Um, it has. So that was definitely one. And um, and my son, it can crop up a little bit here and there. And that I'm, you know, I, I know how to do this thing. I don't like it. I don't, I don't really like it, but I'm I'm more skilled at it and practiced. It's so interesting, isn't it? Because similar for me, like, you know, it wasn't necessarily perfectionism, but we know that like sort of those first three years, like the brain is developing and they're like imprinting everything. And, and it's so hard with our first kid because we don't, we don't know anything, you know, we've never done this before. There's no, like no one takes, right. I had like one couple take parenting class when their child was like a, a top, like an infant or something like that but basically no one does that you know and and so we don't we don't know it then and then we have there's a I think for me you know I had there's a measure of forgiveness right that has to go along with like seeing our mm. unskillful mm -hmm. you know our unskillfulness of the past yeah. And I talk about good enough parenting, you know, definitely letting go and being good enough. And I see that that's really yeah quite great, actually, you know, being a good enough parent. And, um, you know, that's and forgiving ourselves like we were talking about before when we make mistakes or, you know, um, kind of act in a way like being able to be compassionate with ourselves. Oh, and just I think also for me, again, coming back to these ordinary moments, knowing that I didn't have to create these big special memories, uh, maybe that I thought they're great sometimes, sure, and they're, and they're memorable, obviously. But often these in between moments, you know, I, I still talk, think about um, my daughter on a ferry. Like I was holding her; she might have been four or five, and just her falling asleep and rocking her on this ferry, like oh. just the wind in my face and feeling the sun. And that is a moment that's woof locked in, and I savor that. And you know, it's it was quite ordinary. Yeah, I know. All those moments of like holding. Now that my oldest daughter uh, is 15, you know, I can think of like yes. all those moments where she was just like glued to my chest, arms and legs wrapped around. And those are like, oh, you know, just like to think about that is like, that's like, a, you know, a shot of love in my mm. in my day to think about that. Yeah. And as you're saying that, I'm thinking also those moments of intensity, like we're talking about, um, that can be mm. they are clinging to us and we're feeling like oh my gosh i don't want another human being clinging to me right now mm. and then guilt we might lay on ourselves about that so a lot of the mom guilt you know i've been able to really let go of because uh you know again it's you know to know that it's it's passing it's you know i think that's a super helpful thing um that those intensity of those newborn days when we're feeling so out of control and exhausted and um that it's short-lived and we'll survive because I wasn't sure I was going to survive with my daughter. <laughs> to be honest, there are moments. <laughs> I know. I know. My daughter was such an intense 
baby and all that. Yeah, it's interesting. I think for me, what's helped too is like that I did everything I could. Mm. You know what I mean? That like I I know when she was you know th- under three, like my temper scared her, and that wasn't mm. you know like that was not good for her. But mm, for her. but I, I guess I also you know I also know that I did I did everything I could to turn that around. And I and I was able to like in time and all of that like was able to turn that around, but it was it wasn't like you know I think that I think taking action is helpful for letting you know for I guess forgiving that younger and more unskillful self. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, and intentional action because you know we could we could throw spaghetti at the wall trying to figure out what that is, but if we can pause and have more awareness and know our own um, habits and reactivities, you know, what where we fall on continuums. Some people are more passive, some people are more active, some people are more um, temper driven, and some, you know, some people check out. So it's knowing where you are on that continuum and trying to come a little bit more toward the center. Um, uh-huh. Yeah. Well, Shonda, I'm so happy to connect with you again and talk to you. Thank you for helping me through my afternoon. <laughs> The bill is coming your way for the therapy session. <laughs> no, it's been a pleasure as always, Hunter. Oh my goodness. Um, so tell people where they can find your book and where they can talk to you about it more if they'd like to. Sure. My book is Anywhere Books Are Sold. And my website is Shonda, S-H-O-N-D-A, Morales, M-O-R-A-L-I-S dot net. And I'm on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. So come say hello. And her new book is Don't Forget to Breathe. Thank you so much for listening. I hope this episode helped you as much as it helped me. As you could hear, it really helped me enormously. So thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed it. If you enjoyed it, please, if you love the episode, please go leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Maybe don't worry about it. (laughs) But um, I want to give a shout out to a great review from Laura P. Voro, who gave us a five-star review. So helpful for moms, she says, for all of us moms, who love learning more about the parenting journey and having someone confidently help us along the way to being the exact mothers we want to be. Yay! Thank you, Laura. And that's it for today, for this week. Next week is a special on-air coaching session. We're going to talk about how to hold space for big little ones with big emotions. You'll, you've heard me coached through a mindfulness practice today, and you'll hear me coaching one of the Mindful Parenting members next week. So awesome episodes. Make sure you are subscribed so that you get that episode right in your 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 inbox or whatever. And and yeah, I'm wishing you a great week. I hope that you are had a, had a, it's been kind of like a quiet, restful new year here for me. And I hope it's been I know I'm I'm wishing a similar vibe for you. Something sort of restful and quiet in this darkest time of the year, at least here in the northern hemisphere. If you're in the southern hemisphere, party on in the sunshine. <laughs> and thank you. Thank you for listening. Um, I, I really enjoy connecting with you each week, and I'm so glad you're here. This is gonna be an amazing year this year at in the for the Mindful Mama podcast. So Please share it with your friends so they can be part of this journey too. And thank you for being part of this amazing community worldwide, thousands and thousands of us who are doing this work. And I am inspired by you and your presence there doing, being part of the healing. I can't wait to talk to you again next week. Thank you so much. Namaste. I'd say definitely do it. It's really helpful. It will change your relationship with your kids for the better. It will help you communicate better. And just, I'd say communicate better as a person, as a wife, as a spouse. It's been really a positive influence in our lives. So definitely do it. I'd say definitely do it. It's so worth it. The money really is inconsequential when you get so much benefit from being a better parent. 
to your children and feeling like you're connecting more with them and not feeling like you're yelling all the time or you're like, why isn't things working? I would say definitely do it. It's so, so worth it. It'll change you. No matter what age someone's child is, it's a great opportunity for personal growth and it's a great investment in someone's family. I'm very thankful I had this. You can continue in your old habits that aren't working or you can learn some new tools and gain some perspective to shift everything in your parenting. Are you frustrated by parenting? Do you listen to the experts and try all the tips and strategies, but you're just not seeing the results that you want? Or are you lost as to where to start? Does it all seem so overwhelming with too much to learn? Are you yearning for a community of people who get it, who also don't want to threaten and punish to create cooperation? Hi, I'm Hunter Clark-Fields, and if you answered yes to any of these questions, I want you to seriously consider the Mindful Parenting membership. You'll be joining hundreds of members who have discovered the path of mindful parenting and now have confidence and clarity in their parenting. This isn't just another parenting class. This is an opportunity to really discover your unique, lasting relationship, not only with your children, but with yourself. It will translate into lasting, connected relationships, not only with your children, but your partner too. Let me change your life. Go to mindfulparentingcourse.com to add your name to the waitlist, so you will be the first to be notified when I open the membership for enrollment. I look forward to seeing you on the inside. Mindfulparentingcourse.com. Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist, and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're going to talk about skills for survival and self-kindness. And I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder and I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better.